Welcome to Mastering Law, the podcast, where we help you master the business of practicing law. I'm attorney Tom Goolsby, and as always, it is a pleasure to be with you. This is a great podcast about realistic goal setting, and I'm totally into this because most people never set goals and just hang tight because we I, I want to get you excited about setting goals, not setting up unrealistic goals, things that you'll never look at again, but setting a plan to establish a baseline where you are now, where you want to go to realistically, and then how to get there and how to monitor your progress and really be able to judge how well you're doing. Sometimes you have to change mid-flight. You know, we're going to use an analogy I was an air traffic controller when I was in the Marine Corps, and I know all about flight plans and destinations of aircraft and those kind of things, and I'm going to use that analogy because it's such a great one. Think about it. When you're going on a trip, particularly if you were a pilot or you're just getting in your car, but this analogy is about air travel. When you take off on a, in, in a plane, you take off from where? Some place not just the state of North Carolina. You take off from a specific airport, a specific runway, and you go into the sky. And when you file your IFR, Instrument Flight Rules, flight plan, you have a destination, and you know where it is you're going. You're not just going from North Carolina to California. You're going from one airport to another airport. You know where you are going, and you have a specific route that you are taking. Now, that can get changed along the way, and there's no problem with that, but you file a flight plan. You have a destination. You know where you are going. You start from one point, and you're moving to another, and I just want to encourage you to listen to this, take notes as we go along. Uh, feel free to email me with any questions, concerns you have, with any comments, statements, any hints you have that we can include. Always happy to put those in there. But I just want to get you focused on how it Im important it is to know where we're going or to at least have a plan to go somewhere. Because if you don't have a plan to go anywhere, you're going to go in circles. When people get lost, what happens when they actually track their routes? They typically wander in circles. They may think they're going 30 miles in one direction, but they wander in a big circle and end up starving to death, dying of dehydration, whatever. Don't be one of those kind of folks. Now, I said flexibility is important, and it is. And I love this. I remember reading one of Stephen Covey's books uh, back, gosh, I think when I was in law school. I can't remember the title of it. It was, uh, oh, so maybe it was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It was one of those books. I want to say it was one after that, but a great book with great, Stephen Covey, just a great writer, efficiency expert, just a guy who helps you chart things out to live, to love, to leave a legacy. I can remember that. But one thing he gives an example of is what an autopilot is on a plane. Getting back to my, my aeronautic example, an autopilot. Now, 90 plus percent of the time when that plane's in the air, this is just amazing to me, it is off course, but it knows where it's going. The autopilot is set on a specific destination, so it corrects. If they're crosswinds, tailwinds, headwinds, whatever, turbulence, whatever, it keeps correcting. So even though it's off course 90 percent of the time, it keeps checking in, readjusting, and getting to where it needs to go. Isn't that, isn't that cool? Well, let's do that for our lives. Let's do that for our practices. Regardless of the headwinds, the turbulence, the tailwinds, 
the crosswinds. We know where we're going. We know where we've come from, and we're going to get there. What's your goal? Where do you want to go? Well, you got to come up with a destination, and you got to know where you start from. So let's talk about that. You can't just take off and fly till you run out of gas, but that's what so many of us do in our lives. It's sad, but it's true. Let's talk about a specific destination. We're going to jump into that after we literally define where we are right now. Let's do this. I want you to jot down six things that I want you to put answers to because I want this to be actionable. I mean, people, you know, there are podcasts everywhere. People talk about a lot of stuff. And you can go read a whole bunch of Hocus Pocus on the internet, and you can go buy a bunch of marketing books and practice books and all those things. But I believe everything has to be practical and useful. So let's do this. First, what's your income right now? If you don't know what it was this last year, sometimes people avoid it. They don't really want to know how much it's gone down or how much it is not. It's never increased. Call your accountant. Look at your books. Pull out your tax return. Guess right now if you have to, but, but verify it. We need to know what your income is. Put that down, number one. Number two, what is your practice area? Or specifically, your preferred practice area. Maybe you do a lot of things and a lot of them you don't like. But what's your favorite practice area? And also, what's your most profitable? Hopefully, it's your favorite. It may not be. Third, what are the hours that you work and what's your workload? Is it heavy? Is it light? Could it be stronger? Do you want more or do you want less? Fourth, what are your staffing levels and what are their skills? Do you have one office assistant, uh, a girl Friday who answers the phone and runs down to the courthouse? You know, what do you have and what are their skill sets? Because you know that we've got several great podcasts all about training up your team and getting the most out of them. So where are they now before we figure out where they need to go? And number five, what's your technology? What's your training? In other words, what are your force multipliers? In the Marine Corps, we talk about force multipliers. Helicopters are a force multiplier. They're a technology allow Marines to very quickly assault, drop right in behind enemy lines, flank them, whatever it is. It gives us mobility and it gives us speed, okay? Technology and training are force multipliers in our law firm. What are they? And then number six, and the last one, what are your marketing skills and what are your current marketing efforts? Do you have any skills? And you may not, but you may. You could be like me and you might have, a, you might have an MBA and something. You may have some great experience in marketing. Maybe you've done really well with your firm's marketing. Whatever it is, what are your, what are your current skill sets? And then what efforts do you have underway? How much money are you spending? Where are you spending it? Now, let me give you just sort of an example, okay? I just pulled this uh, PFA, plucked from the air, okay? Here we go. Say you make $150,000 a year. That's answer number one. You're a family lawyer, okay? Answer number two. You work 45 plus hours a week, and you get two weeks of vacation a year. Now, also, in that workload and work hour, how much vacation time do you take? Because we're going to work on how much do you want to take. Because we've got to build vacation time into it. If you don't build it in, you'll work 30 years and then realize, damn, I've been in this office five days a week, 50 plus weeks a year, and I've not had a life. <laughs> Folks, life is a whole lot more 
than working. And we're going to help you figure that out, figure out how to get to where you need to get to so that you don't get down the road and get to be 50, 60, 70 years old and realize you've never had a life. You don't know your family. You've never seen the world. We don't want that to happen. Number four, um, this is, again, in our example. Um, we've got uh, one paralegal, and that person has 10 years in family law just working for you. So as far as their skill sets go, not a lot of skill set. Number five, what's the technology? We got a phone system. Uh, it's okay. We got Apple computers. We upgraded a while back. We're happy about that. And uh, no standard operating procedure and no training for my staff of one, we'll say in this example. And then number six, marketing skills. Don't really have any. Um, rely on word of mouth from attorney friends that give referrals to the family law firm. And we do do one local magazine ad. Now, <clears throat> let's think now about a goal to establish. Now, it's great to have a one-year goal. It's great to have a five- and a ten-year goal. That's wonderful. That's sort of pie in the sky. If you got time to figure that out or to get some ideas to what you want to work toward to retire, that's fabulous. You want to retire early or you just want to take time off and see the world, whatever, set that up. But for right now, let's focus on a one-year goal. And again, if you're listening to this in July, make it a one-year goal for next July. You don't have to do calendar year stuff, okay? It's your life. You can plan it whenever you want. You can take your plane off. You don't have to do it at a certain time on a certain day. Your plane can launch whenever you want to lift off. So let's start with just a year. And let's say our goal is to increase our income 50% for the next year, for the next 12 months. want to see it go up 50%. That's to $225,000 from $150,000. But how are you going to do that? Well, we then have to start looking at things. What are we going to do? Are we going to upgrade our marketing? We're going to upgrade our skills. But wait, life's more than just about income, isn't it? Well, sure it is. It's about things like vacation time that we just talked about, things with family, that kind of stuff is extremely important. So what do you do to deal with those issues? Well, you've got to build that in again to your equation. It's not just about more hours. It's about lifestyle. Think about your lifestyle, not just your income. But you could, you could say my goal is to make double what I made last year. I want to make $300,000 a year. But if you got a family, I mean, yeah, maybe you could work 80 hours a week. But that's not a life. You may be making a good living, but you're not making a good life. So let's be realistic in what we set for our goals based upon what our needs are, what our income is. Maybe you got kids in college. Maybe you need to make 50% more just to meet those bills. So think realistically about that and then add in, hey, wait, I do want to have a real life. I do want to be able to be with my family at the same time, be able to pay for things. Your income's going to determine that income that you want to get to, you're going to have to then determine how to hit it. And it's going to be a total mix of your skills, of your marketing, of your staff training, all those things. Now, the first thing you're going to need to do in order, and again, we're pegging on primarily using that income that we'd like to derive as our real factor for sort of you know, going and, and determining these things as we 
move along. What we want to do first is we want to go see our accountant. Now, if your own account, your if you are your own accountant, you can of course do this yourself. But you're going to want to sit down and see what did we make this last year and how did we make it? Where did it actually come from? And that's extremely important to figure out. In our case, we'll say, okay, the cases that we generated primarily came from other attorneys. Word of mouth, attorney friends. So wait a minute, should we be expanding our advertising into TV, billboards, more ads in local magazines like we talked about in our example earlier? Mm, probably not. If indeed attorney referral is our number one source, and for many practices it is, you might have three or four attorneys in town that refer the majority of your cases to you. If you have three or four and you shore those up really well, and then you say, why don't I add two or three more that can refer just as many cases to me, and then what happens? Something beautiful. All of a sudden, you start getting referrals on just as many cases with just a little more effort from the main referral source for your firm. How did you figure that out, though? Well, you had to go back and look at your books, and you had to say, hey, what are my most profitable cases? Maybe it's equitable distribution. I don't do family law. I don't know. But in our example, you want to go back and look, what is your most profitable case area? Now, in my criminal side of my practice, it's clearly for me driving while impaired cases. And for me to start analyzing how do I increase my driving while impaired cases, a number of things. Uh, for me, marketing to fellow attorneys is something that is most helpful. The best cases you can get referred to when other attorneys refer cases to you. Who is a client going to hire? Somebody they find in a phone book or somebody that a trusted attorney friend of theirs refers them to? I can tell you, it's going to be the latter, not the former, not the phone book, not the computer not the billboard. It's going to be what the attorney they trust, who that person is they refer them to. So that for you may be a, a real key, but you've got to sit down and analyze it. And that's where looking at your books, figuring out what are the most profitable cases for you, the easiest cases for you sometimes, and the ones that are going to require the less input so that you could take more of those cases. If you're a trial attorney like I am, I can have, I mean, I can just as easily handle on any given day five DWIs as I can seven, as I can one. So you can only try so many cases in a day. You could have 10 on the docket. You're only going to try one. The others are going to get continued and pushed down the road. So there's only so much you can do, period. You can only be in one courtroom at a time. So think about that when it comes to specifically your practice area. Now, let's say that, you know, you want to work 32 hours a week, have Fridays off. You still want to make that $225,000 a year income, and you want to take a week of vacation every quarter. Now, is that realistic to make that kind of income? Well, if you do the math, you start doing the math on it, figure out how many more of the most profitable cases do you need to get, and what's the best way for you to get those, you may very well be able to get there. We also got to think about staff. Here's another thing that kills people. A lot of times they think, well, all I got to do is hire another associate 
All I got to do is hire another paralegal or an office manager. That'll get me to where I want to go. I can tell you when I first started in the law practice coming out of working at the Crime Commission, which is where my first job was in the law, I came in and I'd already had previous business experience. So when I was hired at a law firm, they decided to make me new lawyer out of the blue, the managing partner, I guess, because nobody else wanted to do it. The, the senior partner had absolutely no desire and no skill set to be a managing partner, to manage anything. Great trial attorney, just no interest whatsoever. So I was hired to take over a firm of one, two, three, four, five lawyers, one, two, three, four, five staff. I mean, it was a, you know, it, it was a decent sized payroll that we were having to make every single week. And when I looked at things, I realized the cases that the firm was bringing in made no sense. The, the senior partner would get a call from someone who knew him politically, who wanted his help, and it didn't matter what it was, he referred it to the associates who were supposed to handle it, none of whom were that fantastic about actually billing because they felt like that was the senior partner's job. So they were doing all this work, they were extremely good lawyers, but there was no Nothing set up that said they had to collect the monies that were owed. So I step into this business and they are owed hundreds of, well, not hundreds of thousands, but tens of thousands of dollars in debts that are in notes, accounts payable that aren't collected. And I start realizing nobody wants to do, none of this makes sense. So slowly but surely over the course of just about a year and a half or so, I whittled out everyone in the firm except the senior partner and me. And, well, we had another partner for a while, and then he left. And we literally were making more money, less hassle, whittled down the office staff to one to two people in one office, well, two people in one office, three people in another. And it worked out beautifully for years. We're making money hand over fist because we focused on what we liked to do and what we were good at and realized we didn't have to have all these other people. So start thinking about, and we've got some good podcasts on using technology, thinking through things, and in fact, we're, we're going to do more and more on being able to use fully automated technologies to really, really help you, whether they are firm management technologies whether they are uh, part-time answering services that actually know what they're doing as opposed to those that just make a mess and lose you clients. And, and even better than that, training for your people. Training them, as we've talked about on our prior podcast, the one we just sent out, uh, I believe it was last week, uh, and you can find there's two on telephone technologies and income and intake procedures those kinds of, that kind of training for your staff can be incredible. And using technology such as being able to allow people to fill out intake forms and to do so much of the work that otherwise you would have them come in and fill out forms in your office they can do online and immediately into your system. I mean, there's so many great ways that technology can really reduce the amount of work you have to do and allow you to be so much more efficient and effective. And then, you know, we'll allow you then to dig down into who do you really need? What do you really need? What do you really want to do? What's really making you the profit? I mean, imagine, I have a friend 
who has cut out just about everyone. He has a part-time person who takes phone calls for him from 10 until 2 and handles things as a virtual assistant. And he has gotten rid of about $120,000 worth of overhead. And pretty much, I mean, said, you know, look, I can work 30 hours a week and actually have in my pocket more money, twice as much money as I had in the last five years. And I have virtually no hassles. And I've got one part-time person that's a virtual assistant for me. So once you're able to sit down and actually figure out these kinds of things, you can start moving in the right direction. And there are some of you who are thinking, wait a minute, I, I just, I don't, I don't feel like I'll ever get this done. How do I do that? Well, we consult. If, if you are throwing your hands up right now, thinking this all sounds great, I don't have any clue what to do, call me. We will help you. But for the rest of you who feel like you can do it on your own, can set your own goals, can go through this and start feeling it out, that is wonderful. But let's continue on. Now, training for your staff, we've talked about that, establishing a schedule uh, for them to, to, to be trained, to have the knowledge that they need to have is going to be important. Also, how are you compensating your staff? This is another big thing that affects productivity. Bonusing your staff, keeping their salaries. I probably have not raised salaries. I don't think I've raised salaries in my firm for about 15 years but I bonus my people based on the profitability of the firm. I just determine that. They, they trust me. I sit there and I've set up bonuses, and I bonus them based upon how well our firm does. I bonus them every quarter. Quarter in, quarter out, they get significant bonuses that double their pay many years. Double their pay many years. Now, do you think that motivates them to work a little harder or a lot harder bring a case in to work on that case knowing they're going to get bonused based on the firm's profitability. You're darn right it does. Make sure you don't run afoul of your own ethics requirements in your state, but there are intelligent ways to deal with those issues. And if your people trust you and they see that you're bonusing them based on their hard work, and, and again, there, there's all sorts of ways to set goals and everything up. To me, the best goal is how well we've done. How, how hard they've worked, the cases that we've taken in, that we've succeeded in, because it is truly a team effort. Uh, what skills do you need to develop? That's a whole nother question. Is it something in your current practice area that you could get better in? And again, upgrading your own training. Upgrading your own training as far as understanding technologies go making sure you can use software better. I mean, it is amazing to me. You want to learn anything right now, you can put it into the internet, do a search, and find a video that'll teach you how to pop open the back of your computer and double your RAM. It will teach you, you name it, they'll teach you how to uh, uh, tango, teach you how to do anything you can imagine. It's there. But you've got to set that up in your schedule, right? You've got to give yourself that magic 15 minutes once a week at least to do some of these things. Do you want to move into another practice area? Well, that might require a whole nother upfit in training, which you can do. But can you refer matters and share a fee? Are you even doing that? 
Now, again, you need to have a couple of things. You need to find out attorneys. Like if you've got, and, and particularly when I was in the Senate, I had a number of calls in areas that I didn't practice in, but that were quite lucrative that I would get associated in. People would call me. I could help out in their case with the case intake, do some work on the case. And again, under our rules in North Carolina, I qualified to share in that fee. We always made sure that I did a certain amount of work and that I was able to appropriately share in that fee. Your state probably has similar rules. Are there things you can refer and actually share in a fee? Do you have an attorney referral network that you're a member of? If you're a family lawyer, do you have criminal lawyers who refer cases to you and you back to them? Do you all have agreements to share cases back and forth? Tacit agreements, things that you know you understand, hey, I sent you that. And again, you get in those kind of arrangements, it's incumbent upon you to make sure that you pick up the phone or send a text. Hey, I just sent Bob Smith over to you to help with a divorce. Hey, I just sent back to you so-and-so to help with a DWI. And those kinds of relationships, and again, remember, people deal with people who are friends that they know and trust. So make sure that you go out to lunch once a month, every other week, with the folks that are in your referral network, your attorney friends that can help you, and you can help them. It's worth a phone call, a Christmas card, a birthday card. You know, if following their, their postings on Facebook, whatever it may be, to reach out and touch people because, you know, they can help you just as well as you can help them. And I'm not telling you to do that just so, I mean, life is about friendships and connections. So make sure that you don't leave that out of your own life. Don't be so focused on all this other stuff that you're not making friendships and connections that at the same time, can bring you business. I sure don't want you to be one of these people that everything's about making friends only with people who can help you, but do make friends with the people who can help you. Why not? And at the same time, help them. Gotta obey your bar rules when it comes to all of this, but expect reciprocity. Expect it when you're referring stuff to people. And, uh, and, and it's amazing because I have seen the benefits of that. I remember there was one attorney that I had referred things to for years and years and years, and I never got anything back. And he was in a specialty area, and, and it didn't really surprise me, but I just never received it until one year. I got a referral on a $50,000 case. It paid me 50,000 bucks for a minimum amount of work. And I thought, wow, that that reciprocity, that referral of cases year after year after year paid me back $50,000. So, you know, it, it is that rule of reciprocity. I mean, people do feel like, and, and hopefully you're keeping in contact with them, and when they do have an opportunity, they will remember you, and they will refer that back. And, of course, you can develop of counsel relationships. You can associate other attorneys. You can hire other attorneys. Uh, there's all sorts of online possibilities when you need help in cases and you get overburdened. You can bring other people in to help you share the workload and to get part of the fee. But again, think about all these potential services. Now, the uh, and I've got written here the trick. It's not really a trick. 
it, it is what you have to do to make your goals actually work. You know, to be real, to be authentic, to be thought out. Your goals have to basically be four things. They've got to be clear. They've got to be achievable. They've got to be accessible. And you've got to have a timeline that's reasonable for achieving them. That one-year timeline we talked about is great. And then how do you, once you've set up where it is you want to go, you know the technology you need to, you know, upgrade to, you know what your staff requirements are going to be, you know what cases it is you really need to get in, you know where to get those cases from, whether it's you're upping your direct mail, whether it's upping your contact with other attorneys, maybe you found that some of your advertising in certain areas works. Maybe the billboard that you put up at uh, 5th and Dock Street work great. Maybe you have determined another one will help. When you've looked at the numbers and all, whatever it is, you know, you've laid all those things out, you know what it is, and you've at least got a, a, a runway upon which you wish to land in another location. That is your goal. So you're coming from where you are right now and you've determined what it is you need to get you there. And that's so important. Do you understand that if you do that, if you literally set up a, a, a goal that is achievable, clear, accessible, and you have a timeline, okay? Even if, it's, <laughs> even if it seems like it's pie in the sky, it's better than nothing. It's better than just, I'll just make another 150000 this year and I'll... Uh, I'll stay right where I am. Okay, say you want to make $500,000. You've got to figure out how to do that. And as you go through this whole process, you will. You will get more realistic as you start looking at your numbers and figuring out what it is you actually can do. Maybe it's not increasing it 50%. Maybe that's too much. Maybe it's 35%. Maybe it's 25%. Maybe it's 10%. Could you use another $15,000? Yeah, whatever it is. Let's set the goal and go for it. Now, here's what you got to do to make sure that you're making small steps. Because it's, it's, you know, it, it, it's like the time value of money. It is amazing. Think about if you are able to every two weeks improve yourself 1%, just 1% every two weeks after, you know, 50 weeks, okay, you're 25% better. After 100 weeks, you're just approving yourself 1% every two weeks. You know, you are making major gains, major, major gains. So what do we want to do in our example? Well, we want to assess what it is we're doing every couple of weeks, maybe every week. You want to set aside, say, 15 minutes. 15 minutes, put it in your schedule, and at 2.15 on Wednesdays, you stop for 15 minutes, and what do you do? You break out what your goals are. You look at what you've earned over the last month or two. You pick up the phone and call your accountant. You know, they're expecting your call and say, hey, tell me how everything's breaking down. You sit down with your staff. You find out where things are. You assess all those areas, and then you continue to move forward because you've set clear goals, goals that appear achievable, goals that are assess accessible, that you, can, that you can literally chart, 
and you've set a timeline that's reasonable for achieving those. Regardless of if you hit that goal, you're going to get closer to your objective. Maybe you don't land on the exact runway in California you took off far when you left from North Carolina. Maybe you get to Oklahoma. But you know what? You're in Oklahoma. You're not still circling around an airport in North Carolina. That, my friends, is what it's all about. That's how you set realistic goals and go places and don't just spin around in circles. Assess where you are now, figure out where you can realistically go and start moving in that direction. And the most important thing, assess where you are at least every couple of weeks, if not every week, with just 15 minutes. It's that magic 15 minutes. You can do so much at 15 minutes, whether it's a day, a week, a month, whatever it is, it adds up. It adds up and totals up and is so critically important because you've got to keep looking at where you are. What does a pilot do? They're constantly looking and assessing where they've gone. What does an autopilot do? It's constantly assessing where it's gone off course and correcting. That's what your 15 minutes every week or every two weeks is all about. This is how you set realistic goals for your law firm and you move ahead and you'll get better at this, okay? You'll get better. The more you look at these problems, your subconscious will start working on these issues and you will get better and better and better. The first year, maybe it's not perfect. The second year, you'll be better. The third year, the fourth year, when you've been in practice 25 years, who knows where you are? And if you've been in practice 25 years, start it today. When, you're, when you hit the 30-year mark, you will be leagues ahead of where you are right now with all the experience you've had to back up getting you to 25 years. So it's never too late for us old dogs to learn new tricks. I want to thank you so much for listening to us. We love to hear from you. We appreciate your patience. We hope this has been extremely helpful for you. It's always helpful for me to share these ideas and talk with you. I'd love to hear back from you. You have questions, concerns, observations. Please let us hear from you. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, on YouTube, and also our podcast. You want to help us out? Go to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. Say something nice about us. Thank you so much. God bless from MasteringLaw.com.